God, in this moment, we thank you for teaching us how to give ourselves away, Father God. The action word says give, Lord God, but we know we can't do anything without you, Lord God. So we open our hearts and pray that your Holy Spirit would convict us and move us to the direction that we need to do. All those little areas in our life that we've kept to ourselves, Lord God, teach us how to give it to you, Father God. Teach us how to have faith in you, Lord God, like a real Christian should, Father God. Break us down so you can build up in us, Father God. As we are about to hear the sermon, Lord God, prepare our hearts, prepare our minds, block out the distractions, Lord God. We have a ton, Lord God. We want to give that to you, Lord God, right now in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's give it up for the Lord for 2015. Amen? What God has done, what he will do in 2016, we're anticipating. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you for 2015. We thank you for all the things that you were able to do and accomplish. We are anticipating 2016 to do great things. And so, God, we pray that during this time, that this wouldn't just be a time where people come together, but there would be this clear sense that the Holy Spirit is speaking to us. When we sing songs, God, we're trusting, God, that you hear us, that we're not merely singing in the air, but there is a God who sits on a throne right now with angels, and in his majesty, he receives our songs of worship. And he is pleased with our enjoyment of him. What we're trusting even right now, God, this mysterious God has revealed himself in, in the word of God. And yet he still speaks. He, he, he still in many ways, illuminating his scriptures through the preaching events. So God, right now, we ask that you would speak to exactly where we are. And God, I pray that the spirit of the living God would fall fresh on us. And I pray for that sense of freedom, God, to know exactly where each of us are at. We pray that at the end of this time, Lord, we pray that we know that you have spoken pray that we know that you have spoken. We ask this in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Well, it's good to see everybody. I was gone for two weeks in North Carolina, was excited to be there down south, and now we're back. And I'm, I'm, I'm just like, I'm ready. Like, this year is the year. Now, this is what I mean. I mean, you know, you can say that about everything. You don't even know what I'm saying. You're like, yeah, this is the... Listen, this year is the year. My wife and I, we moved here several years ago. And when we moved here, we had no idea what God would do. It was just my wife and I, our kids, and we were back there doing a Bible study, and God has blessed us, and God has grown us. And we were patiently working with everybody and saying, hey, you know, we don't want to pressure anybody. We just want to grow with people and love on you. And, and God began to grow us even more. And we never made growth too big of a deal. But this year, it's a big deal. No, this is what I'm saying. This year, we are aggressively pursuing the mission of God in this city. This year, we're going after it. And I'm saying don't get comfortable. 
You know how you get comfortable? You know what I'm talking about? You know how you get your favorite seat at a church and you get offended when someone gets in it? Remove that feeling now. Because I, I am serious. I believe that God is going to fill this church up with people who are longing for the love and grace of God. And we don't want to get in the way of that. So get ready to scoot in or stand up. Because I am confident that the Lord did not have us move here to start a church just to get comfortable. Because right now, we could get comfortable. Couldn't we? Bam! <laughs> we could get comfortable. There's enough of a crowd here to forget about outside. We could get comfortable. And the reason why the name of our church is Bridge Church is because implicit in the name, the idea is that we're always reaching, that we're always extending ourselves. And so we have some goals this year. But this year, those goals will not be able to be reached and you stay at the same place. This is not a leadership goal. This is a church goal. And when I say church, I'm talking about us. All of us. We have great plans I want to share with you towards the end of this time. But I, I want to just preach and talk through the way that this is going to happen. The way that it has always happened throughout the scriptures. You know, every church can function two ways. You will function like a restaurant or you will be more like a family dinner. You know, in a restaurant, there's really only two types of people. Either you are serving or you're being served. There is there's no other types. Either you are sitting down with the napkin tucked into your shirt or you have a napkin over your arm and you're waiting to wipe down tables and serve. And so in a restaurant, you're either serving or you're being served. And one of the things that we can fall into as a church is that you can just get a few people serving, a few people really giving themselves away for the sake of the mission. But see, at a family dinner, it's different, right? At a family dinner, you know, there's some people cooking, and then some people are washing the dishes, and some people are setting the table. And even if someone, like, if dad's out on the grill, you're, even, you're, you're talking to him about sports. I mean, you're just doing it together. And this is the wild part. We eat together, and then after we eat, we clean up together. Somebody's taking out the trash. Somebody's washing the dishes. Somebody's cleaning up. Somebody puts, and the more people you have, the more you make smaller rolls. It's like, okay, well, I'll wash. You dry. You put away. I mean, we just do all these different things because we are serving and being served at the same time. So the nature of a family dinner means that you make a difference. Even if it's a small role, even if you were drying. How many, any dryers in the house? I was a drying expert, praise God. But I made a difference. <laughs> and your presence here makes a difference. Now, I realize that the nature of faith and the nature of coming and being a part of church and all those things, we're all at different places. So it's okay if you are not at the place where you're like serving or singing or that's cool, that, that's fine. But I just want you to know, and I want to be very clear, that our mission as a church is to have you as a servant, not just here on Sundays, but as a servant in the city. In fact, this is what we rolled out last year. What we said is our mission is threefold, that we want you to connect to God grow with family, and serve our city. That is our prayer. That is what our mission is. So there's like a method to the madness. The reason why we did the sermon series text message is because we wanted you to understand how to get into your Bible. So that's connecting to God. We want you to be more intimate with God. But then we did a series called Stuck. And that was because we felt like a lot of people in our family, in our church family, were struggling with feeling like they weren't, they're not where they thought they would be. So they felt stuck. So we did something that would deal with the family. 
And now we're talking about something that has to do with service. And so the last part, serve, serve our city. That is what this series really is about. It's helping you to see the end of our discipleship plan, which is our mission. Our mission is to help grow you in your relationship with Jesus wherever you are, wherever you are. So it's not if you're serving, but we don't feel like you're connecting to God. We're not doing our job because that's our ultimate goal. Now, praise God, um, we've texted the church to turn the air on. I don't think that's going to happen, so let's struggle well together. (laughs) Praise God. All right, let's go back to the old church. We get some Martin Luther King fans and get them out here. All right. So that's our mission. So you ask yourself, what is it going to take to make that happen, to have that kind of radical mission where we're serving our city? It is going to take us. When I say us, I don't mean just the staff. I mean all of us living with big faith. Big faith, big faith, serious faith, shocking faith, audacious faith, faith that would impress God, faith. And what I want to talk to you all today about is that God notices your faith and he is shocked positively or negatively. He is amazed at your faith level, where you're at right now. And it's okay, wherever you're at. I'm just, I'm just acknowledging. God right now notices your faith, and he is blown away by it, either to the amazement in a good way or in a negative way. And so I want to lay a foundation of what I mean in the scriptures, and then I want to just walk you through how you can just increase and grow in your faith, all right? If you have your Bible, or if you're looking on the screen, Look at Mark chapter 6, verse 5 and 6. It's kind of a wild text. Jesus goes back to his hometown. And like many of you that maybe went back home, you don't get credit for what you do outside your home when you go home. People don't care who you are. Right? You went back home, it was like, so what? I don't care. Take them dishes. Take, take out them dishes. They don't care who you are. Jesus goes back home. And nobody cares. He goes home, and what's crazy is that the Son of God, who has all power, this is what it says. It says in verse 5, he could not do any miracles there except lay lay his hands on a few sick people and heal them. He was, would you say that word with me? He was, he was. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Can you imagine the moment of Jesus walking around the city wanting to heal, bless, and transform people, and they're sitting there with arms folded thinking, you're powerless? He's offering his power to people he thinks he doesn't have power? What a crazy moment like that. And he says not that he couldn't have done it, but you notice the power takes your faith. And so it says that he was amazed at how little faith they had in him. Well, the other text I want to take you to is Luke chapter 7. We're going to look at verses 8 and 9, Luke 7. Kind of a crazy moment. Got to give you just a little bit of background on this. Um, A centurion is a soldier, but he's more like a general, like a higher up. And as a higher up general, this centurion was over probably about 80 men. He was also underneath like a commander, all right? So he's in the military. And the the Roman military, these were some bad boys. They would go out and take out whole cities. So the centurion had a pretty intense reputation for being a bad guy, right? So the centurion ends up having a servant who is sick. And as the servant is sick, and I would assume maybe on his deathbed, I don't know, but the servant is really sick. And so what the centurion does is he sends out some people to go get Jesus so that he could come to his house and heal his servant. 
But then the servant thinks, I mean, the, the centurion thinks to himself and says, man, Jesus doesn't want to come to my house because I'm a bad guy. So Jesus, I mean, uh, the centurion sends out all these people to Jesus. Jesus says, okay, I'll come with you. But on their way, he, sent, he ended up sending out another group of people. And this other group of people, he says, listen, Jesus doesn't want to come here, so tell him this. And this is what he tells them. The centurion tells this other group to say to Jesus, but say the word and my servant will be healed. <laughs> For I myself am a man under authority with soldiers under me. I tell this one, go, and he goes. And that one, come, and he comes. I say to my servant, do this, and he does this. He does it. So <laughs> the, uh, the centurion tells them, listen, Jesus, don't end up, don't come all the way here because Honestly, you could just say it and there be healed. And then he uses himself as the analogy. He says, you know what? I thought about it. When I tell people what to do, they do it because I'm a centurion. And I figure since you're the son of God, if you say something, people have to do it. He believed that sickness was submitted to the power of Jesus. He believed that even. And so, so I don't know if he had really seen it before, but this centurion with his imagination believed that without being there, he could heal him. He believed that Jesus was more than a miracle worker, more than a doctor. And so in verse 8, it says, when Jesus heard this, let's read this together. When Jesus heard this, he was? He was? He was amazed at him. And turning to the crowd following him, this is wild. Jesus hears this from this crowd and says, he doesn't, Wait a minute, he doesn't even want me to go there? He thinks if, he just say, if I just say the word, he'll be healed? So he turns to the crowd, and he says, I tell you, I haven't found such great faith in Israel. And if he hasn't found such great faith, what does that mean? He's looking for it. <laughs> he was looking for people who believed that there were no limits to his power. You don't need to come here. You ain't a doctor. You're God. You don't have to come here. You're not limited by time and space. No theologian. Just trust. And so, I guess, the stinging question is, as you launch into this new year, if Jesus looked at your faith, which end of the amazement spectrum would he be? Would he turn around and say, listen, look at her. Do you see this? Do you see her faith? Good God, she believes. <laughs> Should y'all see this? Or would he, would he see your faith and be like, you still don't believe? After all this, I thought, I thought we'd been through some things together. You don't believe? And it seems as if, he is on one end of amazement or another, but he is amazed. And so, this is these moments where you're introspective and you're like, hmm, okay, Jesus, how are you amazed right now? <laughs> well, how do I know? Well, a couple things. One, last year or last week, <laughs> did you? Because I know sometimes. But last week or last year, did you attempt something so bold and so daring that if God didn't come through, there's no way it would ever happen? In other words, if God doesn't show up, I may just look like a fool. <laughs> did, you, did you attempt anything like that? Now, if you're really, really wondering more, like, well, I, there was a lot of, I mean, I, I got on that train, and there was some crazy people on that train that one time, and that took faith, y'all. You know, just, you might not be, you might be wondering, what, how do I, like, really look into this? Well, one of the things we can do is look at your prayer life. Okay, so this is not a mystery. Um, what, okay, let's talk about last week. Let's talk about last week. What did you pray for last week? No, let's just talk about last week. And if God said yes to everything last week, would anything in the world change? 
Would we change? Would I change? Would something else? In other words, what tends to happen is when you have small faith, you pray for traveling mercies. And there's no, no shade, no shade on traveling mercies. We just drove to North Carolina, and I was like, Lord, you better just keep this car. So just, you, but you pray for traveling mercies. You pray over your meal. But your prayers are essentially a spiritually sounding wish list. That's what it essentially is. And that's okay, because that's where you are. But that's okay in the sense that we have to start somewhere. Okay, all right. So, so you're on the smaller end of the faith spectrum. But if your prayers are extending to the world and to the city, and not just to grandma, but I'm just saying to, like, everybody. I mean, you believe this is a weapon of transformation. And you believe that whole cities could be changed by the power of God. The world would change by your prayer life. Well, then you probably have big faith. Did you attempt anything bold or daring for God's glory? Now, we can get there. We can get there together. And that's my prayer. You see, we all are all not at a 10. We're probably not all at a 1. But we started this church because we wanted 1s and 10s. Okay? So I know I'm being humorous, and, but, you know, where are you? And there are some people laughing who are 1. All right? So praise God. All right. So here we go. How can you grow in your faith? Here's something that you should keep in mind. You can't play it safe and please God at the same time. It's not possible. How do I know this? Hebrews chapter 11, verse 6. It says, and without faith, it's impossible to please God. So think of when someone's pleased. You know, my wife and I, years ago, we did this thing called love language. Anybody know what love languages are? Love languages is when you are able to understand what is the particular thing that makes your spouse excited or happy. And so there's talk and touch or whatever. I'm messing them up. But I know what my wife's are. I know what my uh, word, you know what I'm saying, time and touch. You know what I'm saying? So, but, but the important thing that love languages brings out is that I could, if I only give my wife, say, gifts, although gifts are one of her love languages, but if I only give her gifts, but all the while she wants touch, then even though I'm giving great effort, I'm not doing what actually pleases her. You see what I'm saying? And so in the same way, what, is, what pleases God? It's when you do things of faith, when you do things that only he could do, and you're trusting him, and you're doing something that would honor him. And I think the tension of doing things by faith is that there is a very good chance that you will look crazy doing it sometimes. Okay? And this is where, this is our sticking point. This is where we just got to deal with this. Okay? Um, there will be, if you step out and do something great for God, there will be moments where you have great clarity and moments where you have great doubt. And you're like, I thought I heard you. I swore I heard you. I knew this is what I was supposed to do. And I feel crazy, <coughs> by way of illustration. I was at a camp, at a Christian camp. And at a Christian camp, they have all these different activities to help you grow in your faith. So they had this tower you were supposed to climb. And I climbed the tower, and everybody else didn't want to climb the tower because it was really big. And they had this harness on you, and the harness went through your legs and stuff like that, you know, and it's over your pants and all this. So you're going up the tower. And, man, I'm climbing the tower, and I slip a little bit, and the harness goes up. And the harness was real intimate with me. It was just goes up and just <laughs> real tight. So the harness pulls me in and pulls me, and, I'm, and, I, and I almost lose my balance. And I keep going up. And, man, I look. And I see all this, these incredible things. You get, we were in the you know, wilderness, and you see all the woods and the ridges. And it was beautiful up there. It was amazing. And as I started climbing back down the tower, people were laughing. 
And I thought they were laughing because I slipped. But what I did not know, they were laughing because I had an intense wedgie, okay? <laughs> so they were laughing at me. And so, you know, I'm like, man, man, they're laughing at me, and they're all laughing and stuff. And then one guy comes up, and he says, man, I'm so sorry we're laughing. You know, it was just funny, you know. And I thought to myself, and I said, man, yes, you're laughing at me, but you didn't see what I got to see. And then I thought about it deeper. I'm like, while I was looking at God's creation, you were laughing at my butt. <laughs> no, this is what I mean. While God had given me an angle and a perspective that you'll never see, you just laughed at my failure. You looked at, you looked at the thing I couldn't do right, but you didn't see what I was able to see. God gave me a perspective and an angle you'll never see on the ground. I wonder if this is what Peter felt like. You know, those of you that know the story of the disciples, there was this guy, Peter. And Peter, one of the disciples, Jesus is out on the water, walking on water. And Peter's like, yo, Jesus is on the water. So Peter, who is in a boat with other disciples, gets out of the boat. And what's crazy is he starts to walk on water where Jesus is. But then something happens. He takes his eyes off Jesus, and there's these winds and these waves, and he starts to drown. And Jesus has to rescue him from drowning. Now, I am sure that he swam back to the boat, and they pulled him back in. They're like, look at you, Peter. You're all wet and crazy. Look at you almost drowning. You look crazy. You look crazy all wet drowning. You're a fisherman. You're supposed to know how to swim. You're drowning. What's wrong with you? And I'm sure they looked at him like he's crazy. It's like, you know, we're all here dry, here you're wet. And he's like, but I walked on water. I walked on water, and I think what pushed him through the shame was that he got to get a little closer to Jesus in ways that they would never. And sometimes people laugh at you because you get wet. Because you're daring great things for God. I think, and let me just, you know, we, were, we, we had a retreat this week and, and we were talking through some stuff and I came to some real conclusions. You, many of us struggle with faith because we really struggle with failure. And we're afraid to fail. But the deeper issue is, I believe many of us struggle with, with failure because we think if I failed, I missed God. And I honestly belay, believe that failure is the first step of discovering God, not missing him. Like, I, don't, I think if you don't have a healthy dose, I, some of us don't fail enough. Because it is within failure that you begin to ask yourselves, why did I do this? What am I doing this for? Oh, the reason I walked on the water was because Jesus was there. And so I only attempted something great to get closer to him. So my identity is not from the water. My identity was in him. I'm just chasing after him. That's all I really want is him. I'm not, I'm not daring great things so that people would applaud me. I'm already applauding my Savior. I'm in love with him, and I just want to do something that honors him. And that's where my identity is. My identity is in that. So there will always be critics. But those critics will never taste the kind of blessing you will taste. They will never see what you will see. Because they will never dare greatly for Jesus. Now, what we want is a guarantee. We want to know it's going to work. Is that, that's not a deep concept. Well, much of our money goes to insurance because we want to know things are going to work. And if something goes wrong, I need to know. There's a guarantee. As long as you, guarantee, you have a guarantee, you don't have faith. All right? So there's no guarantees. Now, here's the deal. Hebrews 11 and 1. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, 
That's good. I'm sure of it. Um, and I'm hoping. I believe. And the conviction, I'm convinced of things not seen. Oh, but I don't see it yet. See, so I'm sure, I'm convinced, but I don't see it. So even though I have a certainty in God, I just, it could go wrong. It could all fall apart because I don't see it yet. And this is the nature of faith. Now, what is the tension that we're in? Well, the tension is, yes, there's no guarantee, but the assurance and the conviction came from God's proven character. The only reason I was attempting something great is because I thought God was great. So here's this tension. God has a great character, but yet I don't see what he may do. So what does that look like, James? How can I see it? I need to give me a picture. All right. First Samuel 14. You can go there if you'd like, but really no need. We got it up on the screen. Now, this is when I played football, I was talkative as I am now. And I was the guy that pumped people up before the game. Right? I do, you know, we're gonna kill them. We're going to do this. They, they, we, are just, we are going to destroy these people. They're not going to score any points ever, even though we lost 40 to nothing last week. We're going to kill these people. Every week I went out, and I just, um, every week I was that guy. I was the pump them up motivator man before the game. That was my job. I want to encourage you to look at this verse, because this is one of the worst motivational speeches in the history of motivation. 1 Samuel 14, Jonathan is getting ready to go into battle. Jonathan's getting ready to go with one of his armor bearers. They're getting ready to go fight some Philistines. The Philistines are some bad boys. So he's getting ready, and this is what he says. He says, come on, let's go over to that outpost, yes, of those uncircumcised men, yes, and perhaps the Lord will act on our behalf. <laughs> what? Jonathan, you mean he will? No, you said, I said perhaps. <laughs> perhaps? You know we could die. He's like, mm-hmm. But here's the goodness of the next part. He says, nothing can hinder the Lord from saving, whether by many or by few. So on one end, he's talking about God's character. And he's like, listen, God could take out that whole army, no sweat. A thousand men, ten men, God's got it. But I have to consider that men have died in battle before. And there is a perhaps. And Jonathan went over and he destroyed those men. And what we are living in is the tension of perhaps. Perhaps. We have a hard time saying that. But notice, he was not focused on himself. He says, perhaps the what? The Lord will act on our behalf. Nothing can hinder the Lord, saving whether by many or by few. He was convinced in God's character, but he was not in love with the results. He was not certain of the results, but he was certain of God's character. And what made him dare greatly for God was because he was in love with God and he adored God and he trusted God for being God. And that's what made him do great things. It wasn't great, great planning, great strategy. It wasn't any of that. Though we must do that, he had a plan. But his, but his trust wasn't in his plan. It was in God himself. And we, as a church... And in your life, you're living in that tension. That tension of perhaps. That tension of it may not work out. And that hunger for a guarantee. And so you want both. Here is something to be clear on. You can have faith or you can have control, but you can't have both at the same time. And I want control. I want, I want certainty. I want to know without a shadow of a doubt, this is going to work. 
But you can't have both. There is a chance that you will fall into the water, that people will laugh at you, and then when you come down, you will say to your Savior, I love you anyway. I trust you anyway. And I guarantee you, you'll get closer to him. Now, this is so interesting. Um, A last point, and then I just want to share with you some plans that I believe God has for us as a church. Um, The only guarantee is that God will prove himself faithful, listen, while on the journey. Oh, that's, listen, 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 this right here, right here. What he's going to do, he's going to prove himself while you're, listen, look, God shows you four, five, six, once you did one, two, and three. And I know we want to know 20, which is everything. But it is in the midst of the journey that he begins to reveal more of what he is calling you to do. Noah, Noah didn't have a plan. The the scripture says Noah walked with God and then God gave him a plan. And so what we need is to walk intimately with our father regardless of the results, regardless of the results. We're not married to results. We're in love with God. We're trusting God. Results come and go. But God is faithful. Or is he? Is God faithful? And if you are going to have big faith, he will put you in a situation where you do not know if this is going to come through and I may look like a fool and I may fall into this water and everybody may laugh at me and I don't know what's going to happen. But I am doing this for God. And if you fail, that's when you ask yourself, did I do this for God? Or did I do this for myself? Do you know that there could be, they could still be my wife and I in this church? I'm not using myself as like Father Abraham out this piece. I'm just saying, we dared greatly and God showed up. And I think what's happening, people ask, how did you go to Brooklyn and start a church when you didn't know anybody? How did you meet people on trains and do all this? I don't believe it came because of a funky social media and because we have this, you know, worship team and all this. Or I might be able to make you laugh every now and then. I don't believe that. I think we keep taking st- great steps of faith. I believe that's what God is doing. I believe that is what God is doing. And I want you to be a part of it. I went to a church one time. And at this church, this is exactly what they told me. I'm in the church. I'm sharing about what God has done in Brooklyn. And then they said to me, it was a Sunday school director, he says to me, can you share with us some God stories? I was like, what do you mean, like Acts, Book of Acts, like what, Genesis? What do you mean? He's like, no, no, no. Share with us some stories about great things God has done. I was like, sure. And he said, because James, even though our people know the Bible, Very few of them have God stories. You know that could be you? You could know the Bible in and out, but very few of you have God stories. I'm not talking about you put God on the bow at the end like, and he, you know, and he did it. I'm saying, (laughs) I'm saying in your heart of hearts, you know good and well if God didn't show up. Nothing would have happened. And people are sitting there listening, saying, man, what is inside of you? The same Holy Spirit that's inside of you. In fact, what I would tell you is God is calling us all to that. And this year is the year. This is the year that as long as you are a part of Bridge Church, you're going to grow in your faith. Because we as a church are going to take great steps of faith. And what I want, what my prayer is, is that you would just be a part of the family meal. Whether you're, whether you're, you know, wiping out cups or, or you're making them, whatever you're doing, that you would play a small part of the way that God is on mission in this city through us, through us. That you would join us in this mission to connect people to God and grow them with family and serve our city. Well, I want to share with you just a few of the things that God is doing and is going to do. The first is the known campaign. The known campaign, as they've shared, as they've shared, <laughs> the known campaign are these cool sweatshirts that God has placed on our hearts. Ivana Sanu has really dreamed up this great step of faith of.
putting these sweatshirts together, and it is the one-for-one business model. So if you know Warby Parker or Tom's, that if you buy one, it purchases one for the homeless. Now, um, a couple of y'all stand up real quick. Um, so that, get your model on, Stranger. Yes, yes, turn, stri- stop, stop, sit. See, you see some people. I really what I want to say was black people, but listen, <laughs> listen. We want, can you imagine walking into Manhattan and seeing someone on a train and they've got an I Am Known sweatshirt on? And you knew you had something to do with that. I mean, that, 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 that actually happened last year. We were walking and this woman didn't even know me. And she, she was walking with her car and she had this I Am Known sweatshirt. And I said, I had a hand in that. Hundreds, hundreds of sweatshirts, hundreds of sweatshirts. I believe we're going to bless people with hundreds of sweatshirts. And listen, thousands even if we, if we really get focused on this. But I believe God is going to do great things through this. But it's not going to happen because I yell. It's going to happen because we're all in this family dinner together. We, we want to do this marriage seminar. And in this marriage seminar... <laughs> Rich, Rich, Rich and Emmy Bowman, um, listen, we know, we know in the city that it's really, I, I would say it's more like a couple seminar dealing with communication because we know that many couples struggle with communication. And so it got real quiet. It was like, <laughs> amen. We know that many couples, <laughs> God is speaking right now, right now, just we know that many couples struggle with communication. And so in light of that, we think this could reach the city. So we want to do a seminar called Can We Talk? And it's guiding people through how to have a biblical framework in communication. But we want people who don't know God. We just want all types of people to be able, because if somebody doesn't come to the Lord, but they communicate better as a family, I feel like we've blessed the city. I feel like we've served the city. This is about serving people. God transforms we're the ones here to bless. So, so we, we have these, um, so we have this, and they're, they're praying that we would have 60 couples, um, and we want to do it here, and we're looking to do that in March. Okay, so we're praying that God would do that, and just, uh, we're, we're putting together the plans, and we're really excited. And I've already seen Rich and Emmy do their thing, and they are going to kill it. They are going to kill it. I'm really excited about what God is going to do with that. Another thing we're doing is called, I think we're calling it Save the Date. I don't know. I think we're calling it. But this is what we're going to do. Um, Valentine's Day, a lot of times people don't, people, don't, people don't go out because of child care. So we figure why don't we take care of their kids. I'm, I'm, I'm talking about us and others. Okay. You're like, this is by faith. I know we trust in God now. And all that other stuff, Hebrews 11. But what we're saying is, how, how awesome would that be if the neighbor you've been by for months, you just walk by and say, hey, what are you doing for Valentine's Day? Nothing because of our kids. You know, my church will take care of your kids, and they're going to have a lot of stuff set up, and they're going to do a bunch of things with them, and, and you can go out and just do your thing. Would that be cool for you? What you want? Now, we just want to bless you. We just want to bless you. Um, the, the other thing that we're talking about doing is a leadership training in the summer. Now, we, we, we uh, as a church, it's cool that we've had so much buy-in. A lot of people, you know, are growing and learning. But I believe, as, I believe if, if, if the Bible is true and the Holy Spirit actually lives in the believer, I believe there's a measure of leadership we're all called to. I want you to know your gifts. I want you to know the word. And I want you to know how you best help people. And so that will be about leadership. Now, interestingly enough, it's not just any type of leadership. I mean, anybody who wants to lead, we want you at this training. But we also want to grow the number of city groups we have. Right now, we have about three or four city groups. We want to multiply those groups. In order to multiply those groups, we need leaders to step up and say, hey, I'll take care of people and serve them in a group. And that's what our city group, our city groups are family on mission. All right. And so we need more leaders. And so we want to train leaders up for that time. And, you know, a lot of people say, well, you know, I don't like people. Well, you are a person. 
So just factor that in. All right, so we want to do that leadership training. But here is the big deal. Y'all ready? Boom. We are praying about moving the church to Crown Heights. Okay. Now, to be honest with you, God has already blessed us. We've been growing. We don't really have to move the church to Crown Heights. The reason why we want to move the church to Crown Heights is because we want to not only have an impact that, yeah, a lot of you come on the train or a lot of you are able to walk. I mean, however you get here, that's cool. But we want to also be able, if we left this, this city, this block, some people would miss us. But most would forget that we were even here. And we want to be so embedded in the blessing of a city that if we were to leave, the people would mourn. The schools would be different. The couples would be different. And so we're, we're looking at a particular school right now. It's, it's literacy, I think, is at, what, like 11% or something at grade level. I mean, so, so only 11% of the kids are at grade level. Um, what, if the, what if the church stepped in and did something about that? Not, not to just, you know, convert you there on the spot, but because God is good and we want you to experience his goodness. What if we were a part of that? So we are praying about it. We're, we're looking into it. But that would happen sometime in August. Okay, so again, this is going to take all hands on deck. Well, <clears throat> those are the plans that we've said. We've got other things that we trust God that he'll do. But um, saying by faith is one thing. But I think the thing that I really feel that you must hear is that it is not just enough to have faith and trust God to do great things, but to still have the same character. That many of us, the first thing we have to consider is repenting of anything that might be holding us back right now. Of the sin that is tangling us up every week, each day. That right now, it's not enough to say, I want God and have a hunger for him, but become complacent spiritually where you're at. And so my prayer for you is that you would increase in your faith and simultaneously that you would increase in obedience this year. That you would know what is it right now. You know, there's a scripture in the Bible that talks about the sin that so easily entangles us. The sin that just trips me up. The sin that I, I'm, here I am again. It is not, we would not be doing you a service if you help us bless the city and you are not experiencing the presence of God through obedience. And so today, my prayer is this. As you start this new year, I'm not saying you're not going to fall back into sin. I'm saying you're not going to live in it. But you will not grow comfortable in your sin. You will not grow comfortable in your sin, that you won't be comfortable with it, that it will not be a part of your identity, that it will not be the way you live. It's not the way you see yourself. It will not mark you. And as you do that, people will see God doing great things in you, and that will be the, the most attractive thing that we can do is your life radically changed. I wonder today what that thing is, because we've all got something hanging us up from the pulpit to the door. And I pray that today, as we start this year off, start in a posture of repentance. Start in a posture. When we sing songs like, I give myself away, don't let that be a cute melody coming from your voice. Let it be a declaration of your heart. I'm giving myself to you this year. No more games. No more games. It's not about me anymore. It's not about my identity. It's not about the way I look. I'm giving myself to you. I'm trusting you to, to, to show up. Out there to the world, I'm trusting you to show up in my secret area of sin. trusting you to show up in that quiet thing that no one knows about. I'm trusting you to shower down where people don't know. 
I'm trusting you. And I will not in any way slow down. I will aggressively seek the presence of God this year with everything I've got. And if I fail and if I fall, I will have known that I tasted greatly the presence of God and I trusted a great God. I wonder if we could all stand. As the worship team comes up, I just want to lead you in a prayer. Oh God, we're standing right now and we're here and there is this tension that we spoke of. God, before we get to talk about deep faith, God, would you reveal yourself to those of them that are here right now, God? Just reveal yourself. Reveal yourself. Show, show up. Give us, before we start doing great things, give us that assurance. Give us that conviction. Because I believe faith is a gift that you give. So Holy Spirit, right now, I pray for Bridge Church and I pray that the spirit of the living God would fall fresh on those that are here and they would take the next step wherever it is wherever they're, whether they are in small faith or big faith don't let anyone get comfortable at Bridge Church take the next step whatever it is some of us just need to get committed to community committed to having other people in our life. Some of us just need to commit to Sunday. Some of us need to commit to just reading the Bible, even if it's once a week or once a day, just the next step. The next step. The next step. And God, like Peter, who only stepped on the water because he saw you there, help us to see where you're at right now, God. What is it that you're calling us to do? Repentance comes because we want to get closer to Jesus. It's not enough to just say, I'm going to stop doing some things. The Christian life is not about stopping something. It's about starting with someone. It's about being with someone. It's about knowing someone. So let the presence of the Holy Spirit be in this moment right now. Right now. Let us see you on the water. Let us step out. We ask this in your name.